Hey everybody, this is Connor Moriarty. Welcome to the Seabag Podcast, episode number seven. My fellow Seabaggers, it is my distinct honor and privilege to present to you the first Seabag three-way. Our first guest on the podcast holds a master's in counseling psychology with a certification in trauma recovery, a licensed professional counselor, and a nationally certified counselor. He is a small business owner, an entrepreneurial innovator whose outdoor prowess would require Grizzly Adams to shave his beard and surrender his man card. Ladies and gentlemen, Connor Moriarty. <laughs> I actually, it's not something I brag about too often, but I, I, I have Grizzly's man card in my pocket currently. <laughs> and I, and I, I have every I'll intention of giving it back. Statement. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I want to give it back, but it's, it's also just a nice thing to have. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the intro, Brad. <laughs> no sweat, man. Connor, welcome so, uh, to the show. Mike, um, it's, a, it's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you guys very much. Absolutely. No problem. Thanks for coming on. So um, what we're going to dive into right now is just a quick little lightning round just to kind of get the juices going, get the flow of the conversation going. So, Connor, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Moved around a lot. Um, I, I would, I usually answer that question by just saying Pennsylvania, because I was born in Western PA, spent a good chunk of my childhood in North Central PA, and then most recently, um, Eastern Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and now the Lehigh Valley with a, a bunch of other states and countries in between. So, okay. yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and, and I guess my, my next question would be where... Where, where did you go to school at? Uh, where do you want me to start? Preschool or, or skip the college? <laughs> uh, I mean, just go ahead and skip the college so we can go ahead and hammer out where these certifications are. All right. <laughs> so my undergraduate degree was given to me by Westchester University. Go Golden Rams in uh, sunny, <laughs> beautiful Westchester, Pennsylvania, which is a, like an exurb of Philadelphia, maybe an hour train ride from Center City, Philly. Uh, and then okay. grad school, I went to a little univer- uh, little place called Arcadia University, also mm-hmm. in the Philadelphia area, um, much closer than Westchester. And, um, okay. and then the School of Life, which I am still currently enrolled in. Oh, okay. uh, school brethren. <laughs> <laughs> I am currently enrolled in school, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and ask one uh connor um uh, just for for those of uh the listeners that don't know you uh give us a little background on aspirations as a kid as a child you know brian and i both had aspirations of uh joining the marine corps at a, at a very young age where did you Where'd you find your passion and, and what direction did you take as a young child to, to kind of get to where you are now? All right. So I got a little time to answer this and it's funny that you're asking this very question because I had to put this on paper not too long ago. So it's fresh in my head. Um, so, you know, hunker, hunker down, get comfortable, refill your glass. Uh, Stop clicking your pen then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, According to my mom, the first thing that I said I wanted to be when I was a little kid was uh, a fireman that sings pretty songs. (laughs) And uh, I don't have any memory of that, but I'm I'm glad to know that I got that in my back pocket. um, Just in case case things don't work out. Yeah. 
I mean, and I don't really have a very good voice, so it'd probably be a struggle, but whatever. Dreams are dreams. Um, <laughs> after that, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Um, that was replaced by similarly wanting to join the military. Uh, I had my sights set on Army or Navy uh, with a little sort of consideration of the Coast Guard thrown in there. Um specifically being a rescue swimmer. That was kind of the thing I wanted to do. Nice. Um, and uh, got into college. Uh, my uncle, I have a couple of uncles, a couple of cousins, and um, both my grandfather served. And they, you know, they were people I looked up to a lot. Uh, my uncle talked me out of joining fresh out of high school. Um, told me to go to college, get a degree. And if I still wanted to go in after that, that'd be great. Do it. Uh, and then life took a turn and um, ended up not following that route. And the rest of the, the my story after that is kind of convoluted and very winding. I didn't, uh, I've never really had a clear vision of what I've wanted to do with my life. Uh, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I've always admired people that have known uh, and, and not only known, but pursued it and achieved it. That's uh, something I really respect. Um, I'm more of the type, I think, now that is just gone along for the ride and happened to find myself in a place where I'm very, I'm very happy to be doing what I'm doing and very satisfied to be in the, in the role that I'm in now. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. Hmm. So, so I guess my question would be, was there – you know, during this, this, this time of kind of wandering and, and like you said, this convoluted path, was there, was there awake, like an awakening while you're at school where you're like the light bulb clicked off and be like, I need to start a company like reset. Yeah. And that's going to go back a little bit in time. So when I was in grad school, I started off in a program. It's a, it's called IPCR international peace and conflict resolution. And the, the aspiration I had in that program was to be a mediator in conflict zones. So I, I sincerely thought that I would get a job with like the UN or some other NGO and be thrown into the shit in like Sudan, um, mm -hmm. you know, trying to make peace between warlords. Um, mm -hmm. And that was going to scratch a couple of itches, like the, the idea of doing some good and uh, also kind of being in some tense, intense scenarios which are things that i still enjoy and you know feel like i kind of zone in and, and focus a lot um we understand that that's well a, I, know, that's a, I know i i yeah. i you know maybe that's why Bri, you and i get along so well mike i yeah. you know anyway yeah um yeah and then uh, no, go ahead. that's an itch you're never going to be able to scratch up by the way Take no it. no it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't go away um so in that program, I started working with kids that have been ordered by a judge to attend anger management. Uh, you know, in grad school, you got to work or else you starve. So um, I got this job. And after a couple of months, I realized that all these kids had uh, something in common. And it was it was really shitty things happening to them. Am I allowed to swear on this? All right. Good. good. <laughs> so all these kids had, had trauma histories. Um you know, in some cases, it was one or two major incidences, but for most of them, it was uh, what we call in the field chronic subtrauma. They're they're never safe. They're always 
kind of in harm's way. And it may not necessarily be uh, a tiger that's about to pounce on them, but uh, there's this persistent feeling of insecurity and helplessness and fear. And when I shared that observation with an academic advisor, she said, oh, we're going to start a dual degree program with the counseling department uh, with a focus on trauma, and you should be our first guinea pig. Nice. So I basically tacked on an extra year of grad school, got a, another degree and a certification on top of that. And it turned out to be exactly what I've wanted to do and have loved doing for 10 years. So, so you um, just kind of fell. Literally into fell it. into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's a, I mean, to cut you off, but that's a, that's an awesome way to fall into what you've always wanted to do. As you said earlier, that, you didn't have a clear sight of, of direction and, or, or even which way you didn't want to go. You didn't have a clear sight on what you wanted to do. And then all of a sudden something happened and you fell exactly into the position that you're in now. That's, that's it's yeah. an incredible thing to have, to have happen, you know? Well, to, to add to that, you know, there, there are a number of times where I had a very clear goal of what I wanted to do. And for whatever reason, in some cases, it was things outside of my control. In some cases, it was me making conscious decisions to shift that path. Um, but in this instance, it was not something that I really, it just, it just landed in my path and I uh, seemed like the right, right turn to make. Um, and I'm grateful for it. I really am. I, you know. So can you, uh, can you go ahead and, and describe to us maybe, uh, and I'm sorry if this is left field, but describe to us uh, for, the, for the audience that's listening in a, in a, a sentence or two, what exactly your company does um, in, in a roundabout way? Yeah. So um, the mission of Reset Outdoors is to nurture sustainable well-being in ourselves, our clients, our community, and the environment. Uh, and that's a fairly open-ended mission, but it's, it's with intent. The reason is, is that uh, well-being and especially well-being that persists uh, is different for everybody. And while there are, there are patterns and there are things that we can look to and that we can suggest that might be helpful, the, the real art in what we do comes with getting to know people as individuals and helping them rediscover the things that they intuitively know work for them. Um, and again, it's backed up by research and I think we're going to get into this a little more later, but, uh, spending time outdoors is a free, uh, with zero side effects way to start tapping into the things that get covered up in, in modern life, whether it's just because of sitting in front of a computer all day or because you're a survivor of some horrible shit. Um, yeah, yeah. It, the outdoors is good medicine, uh, and that's, it is. that's science. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and and I'll I'm kind of speaking out of turn right now, but I'll I'll definitely add something um, to that, and and something that I found that really works for me in coping with um, wh whether it just be stress in general or 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 anything that I'm going through. Uh, you know, I live. I live eight miles from the beach and surfing and diving and being on the beach, being out in the nature and, and, and being able to get away from, from things and be in peace with, with nature has, has helped me even before you and I met 
you know, over the phone, it, that's been something that's helped me just by living in Florida. So I, I, I contribute to your, to your statement that, you know, it's a, it's a real thing. And, and it really does help the mind uh, in gaining that, uh, that access to peace. Yeah. Well, and you guys can tell me if you want me to dive into the, the nitty gritty about why it works and how it works. Um, but it's not just good for your mind. It's, it's been proven to be measurably and powerfully beneficial for our bodies. Um, it's incredibly good for our, our social well-being, uh, empathy, all kinds of things are positively impacted by spending, you know, the minimum they're saying now is two hours a week outdoors. So that Dive breaks down it, to brother. just, a, hear it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. Should I stop? Should I no, 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 no. I, uh, unless Brian's got any kind of, uh, objections. Um, uh, no, man, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just enjoying, um, kind of like a, a, a little recap from, from my own, my own experience with working with Connor. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's where, where I was kind of going to jump in and and maybe provide an example of 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 how the program worked and how I utilized it, um, you know, coming back from deployment and transitioning out of the military. Um, you know, I had I had a, a real struggle, you know, when I got out, um, you know, as far as the transition process goes. And, you know, one of the one of the problems that I had was um, with coming home was uh, trying to change this deployment mindset that I had when I got out and trying to find a way to cope with loss. And one of the, one of the things that I had problems with was learning to cope with that loss um, sitting inside of a therapist's office. Yeah. And it just, it just didn't have the kind of therapeutic effect that, that, that I needed. And so, you know, when I, when I had met you, one of the things that we had talked about was, you know, my past, passions that I, things that I enjoyed doing that I just couldn't quite get into anymore. And I, you know, referenced hunting and, and one of the problems I was having was, was getting out into the woods and, and, and going hunting and just not feeling comfortable and feeling anxious and, and, and just having the, the feeling to move and just not being comfortable. And what I found was, was working with you, you know, side by side. And it was almost this practical application of, these coping skills that you were there to coach me through. Whereas in a traditional therapeutic setting, they're, they're going over these coping skills with you. And then they're just, you know, it's almost like you're being tossed out into the wolves into these everyday situations. And you, you really kind of filled that void of, of, of helping me, you know, work on these skills when I'm in the moment, you know what I mean? So, you know, getting into that, is there, is there a way you could communicate to the listeners of, of some of those techniques that you used with me personally and maybe some of the science behind them? Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so where to begin? So when we're talking about what therapy is traditionally, um, you, when you describe that, it's, it's sitting in an office with, you know, four to six feet between you and somebody else. And the expectation is, is that you're going to just start talking and that with their guidance and their expertise, you say things that unlock things that you haven't addressed directly. And by unlocking those things and doing that in a safe space, you uh, can let them go, right? Heal, Mm. heal from them. Um, And what we know 
is that it's not necessarily a, a therapist's training. It's not necessarily the interventions that they are fluent in. Uh, it really comes down to the relationship. Um, the, the fact that you have somebody that's willing, that, that's, that's appreciative of who you are and that is not going to judge you is the vehicle for healing in a traditional therapeutic relationship. And that's backed up by a ton of science. Um, it's less the fancy tools that we bust out and more the safety of that relationship. So I just want to lay that down because we do this for people all the time. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It can be a friend, a family member. It can be a, your barber, or in some cases, honestly, bartenders. I know a couple of folks that are bartenders that will talk that's not that's advocating for drinking as a coping skill, but I do have a glass of whiskey here in front of me. So yeah, <laughs> I do too. Say, say what it is. Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So we've, we've covered that. But the next step is, is understanding a little bit of the science of what happens to us when we're outdoors. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't have to do anything except for get yourself out in natural light, put your cell phone away. If you, if you can do so and not be, you know, too wigged out by it. Um, you know, it's, these days people get really stressed out by not having their phones on them. Um, and a little break from that is healthy, but you do it at your own pace, you get outside. And within about the first five minutes of being out in ideally in green space, uh, in natural light, um, it could be a city park. It could be, you know, here in Bethlehem, we have a thing called the Greenway, which is an old railroad line that's been paved over and is, you know, some trees, but it's right in town. So it's not like you're even in the wilderness. Um, almost immediately, within five minutes, cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone that our body produces, start to drop measurably when you measure people's saliva. Um, the next thing that happens, so that's, that's, that has a direct physiological and psychological impact. The next thing that starts to happen is your heart rate starts to drop and settle back into a really good variable level, right? There's this return to kind of a ebb and flow of your heart rate that is natural and really healthy that when we're stressed out, whether it's from PTSD or anxiety or depression, we slip in one direction or the other. Either our heart rate's a little too high consistently or a little too low consistently. Um, you want that variability. And that happens within about 10 minutes. Then your blood pressure starts to level out. And this um, is just bit from being secluded without a phone. Or simply being outside in natural light, ideally around some trees. And even better is trees and water. Hmm. Um, that's all. That's all you got to do. Um, and those benefits compound. Uh, and we could talk about that later. But... Um, when you spend about two hours a week outside, Micah, it sounds like you're really getting all you can out of Florida, being that close to the ocean. And uh, yeah. where, where are you? What east or west coast? I am um, on the west coast, which would be more towards the Alabama side. Um, Got so it. it's it's still the the Gulf of Mexico. So you're talking the water is the water's blue, you know, yeah. clear and. Warm. Uh, yeah, warm. Warm's a big yeah. one. Um, the waves aren't huge, so there's not a bunch of surf out here yep. in specific areas. But yeah, typically the weather comes through real quick. There's not a, you know, there's hurricanes and stuff like that. But, you know, it'll be it'll be cloudy for a few hours and then it's back to sunshine and hot, you know. So yeah, yeah the the um, the the Florida lifestyle 
is uh is alive and well we'll say yeah <laughs> it, uh, and it and it's it's definitely part of my daily ritual going outside in the mornings uh, i also live by the water um by an inlet and uh getting out and watching the sun come up in the morning has reduced my uh everything i mean stress anxiety you know just it, even if you want to call it depression, um, waking up and being in a bad mood or, or, or waking up with some, with some stuff going on that you had issues with at, at certain times, waking up and, and being on the water, seeing the horizon and watching the sun come up. That's a, that's a very large portion of my day incorporating that into, uh, my physical and mental wellness. So. Absolutely. And, and just hearing you talk about it, you can tell that you pay attention to it. And yeah, so that's yeah. the next benefit that I, that is really, uh, it seems magical. Uh, it feels magical, but it's, it's, it's really not. It's how we are, uh, we are inextricably linked with the environment around us and modern life tends to build a wall between us and the environment that we, that we are a part of. So when you talk about watching the sunrise and you talk about noticing weather patterns and, and uh, and the detail that you're taking in, that is mindfulness. And I am I am not a big fan of mindfulness. Uh, MBSR, mindfulness based stress reduction, right? It's mm -hmm. incredibly effective. However, my brain doesn't slow down enough to control my own brain. And I know there are a lot of people who feel similarly, and the data bears that out. Only, only about 17% of people that start a mindfulness based uh, program are able to maintain the results that are that come from that type of practice mm. uh nature does that to us without us having to do anything and it takes about 40 minutes between 35 and 45 minutes so mike i'm wondering like if you have spent time and brian we've done this before so i'm just gonna pick on micah because yeah yeah let's do it, do it. Get it. Go Get ahead. It. yeah it's totally fresh and new we um when you get outside, how long does it take you before you start to really notice the details that the that the natural world is showing you? Um, in regards to being calm, or in in regards to where my brain goes, or can you expand on that just just, just, just a little bit? Just noticing details, like um, in the mornings. Um, I live, I li they call it a bayou down here, which, which it's not. Yeah. Brian's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> say that well, again. Brian likes when I say it and it's, it's called a bow. A bow. Because uh, <laughs> I'm from, I'm from Go South Tigers. Louisiana. Yeah. Um, no, but this is a, uh, this is basically the, the bay, uh, the Pensacola Bay. And there's a, uh, they call it Grand Bayou that, that, that feeds into, um, the bay. And, um, I live on the bow and, <laughs> and, but it, it's a, it's a sand, it's a sand based bayou that, that, uh, there's a, you know, neighborhood that I live in is on the bayou and, and I'm about three houses from there. So in the mornings I'll, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm always up early, you know, between four thirty and five thirty. I'm always up just naturally. So waking up and, and I'll, you know, cook coffee and I'll, and I'll, there we have a little picnic table that sits out on the, you know, on the sand by the water and I'll, and I'll get out there and, and typically I'll spend about 30 minutes out there. 
any more than that, you know, I, I'm starting to someone's pouring whiskey. I can hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, typically, any any after thirty minutes, um, I can. Uh, I'm kind of be, you know becoming a little late in my routine, so my yeah, workouts yeah. start yeah. the you know sure come into my my brain, and I I got to go work and all that stuff. But I, I typically spend either it's an extensive amount of time. Or it's a very short period of time, depending yeah. on what my what my uh, my schedule is. Uh, in the in when daylight savings time is on my side, and the sun comes up very early. I like to run on the beach, uh, and I'll do a few miles on the beach, or I'll go sit there and drink coffee on the beach. But typically speaking, it's it's between uh, twenty minutes and an hour. Uh, okay, is the time I spend. And here, here's what here's where I'm going with this is that I I'm willing to bet that you have about ten minutes, ten to fifteen minutes where it takes you to kind of settle in, right? And yeah, after that ten or fifteen minutes, you start to notice. Yes, you start to notice things. You start to notice details, and it could well, be let, something. Let me let me cut you off just while I have this in my brain. It, yeah, this, you're you're a hundred percent right because I, you know, and for the the people listening. Um, Connor and I have never met uh, in person. We we actually met for the first time today over the phone. So uh, we say it a lot. This isn't scripted. This is uh this is us talking uh, man to man. And and um, typically the first five minutes, I I bring my phone with me because you know that's that's a, what a lot of people do. Bring your phone wherever you go. Most of the times, the first five minutes, I play on my phone. Yeah, and. And I and I'll turn the phone off four or five different times. And after the first six or seven minutes, um, my phone doesn't even exist. And then I'll turn my phone off. Yeah. And I'll put my phone in my pocket, or I'll throw my phone on the on the picnic table, and I'll and I'll wade out into the water, clear water, you know. So so what you're saying is accurate, and and it does take me a little bit of time to to. Um, to, you know, to get focused and start noticing the little things. You're right. Yeah. There. And, and so this is, this is the magic that, that happens in being in nature. Um, and your, your example of watching the sunrise in the morning is a perfect one uh, in that it takes a few minutes for our brains to settle out of, you know, oh, man, I didn't sleep so well last night. Oh man, I got like a, really busy day. Oh man, my kids are really driving me up a wall. All the stuff that naturally happens in our brains. Um, after about 15 to 45 minutes in that sort of half an hour range, we start to notice details in the environment around us. This is, this is a involuntary mindfulness exercise, right? The, the natural world pulls us out of the bullshit that's flying around in our brains and brings us into the present. And it's mm. usually through, unless maybe there's somebody out there that has um, additional senses that, I, that aren't documented <laughs> by science, but it's usually through our five senses, right? You smell something interesting or, yeah. or familiar. You see a pattern in the clouds or in the water, and you're like, oh, that's really interesting. You hear the waves crashing on the beach or the sound of your feet splashing in the water. Um, you feel yeah. the coolness of the sand and you're like, 
oh, there's this is this is nice or this is interesting or what is that? And it's got you. Yeah, it's yeah, and it's a lasso. It is. It pulls you out of yourself. Yeah, and that is the space where magic happens. Well, I um, I do I do think that I, I I just throw this out there, and I I've noticed that when I when I run the beach, uh, the first, and I'm not just agreeing with you because I'm not that nice of a person that I'm just going to agree with Check, you. Checks in the mail, buddy. It's cool. You, yeah. You, you. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, anybody that knows me, anybody uh, w- would know that, that I'm not just going to agree with everything you're saying because you're an expert, which you are. Uh, but I, I do, I do ad- admit to uh, early morning or late evening runs on the beach or just being on the beach um, if I am running and I'm doing a few miles, the first few miles are, are music. Uh, my music is heavy. And then as I continue on towards my run, eventually there's no music. And I, and I just want to hear the sound of the ocean. I want to hear the sound of me running through the sand. Um, I want to hear the birds chirping and, yeah. the, you know, and, and that peacefulness that I get from hearing the ocean crash in front of me is what is something that takes the place of music. So by default, I agree with, uh, again, I agree with what you're saying um, in regards to detaching from, you know, what we call life with phones and, and, and media. Yeah. Well, and what ends up happening in that space, uh, apart from, measurable psychological and physiological benefits is that you are brought into the present, right? You're here, you're, you're, you're in the moment right now and interacting with the environment, a a, a part of the environment connected to the environment. Um, And that completely and totally shifts perspectives. The, the things that are freaking you out or ticking you off about, what's coming down the pike in the future or the things that, that wear you out and exhaust you that, that have happened in the past, those things loosen their grip. Yeah. Um, and that is incredibly good for us. Well, well, Brian, you, um, of course we've known each other forever and, and there's a, when you went through Connor's, um, instructional period with reset outdoors your Mm -hmm. your mindset shift in the woods in regards to um mission tempo uh turning Mm -hmm. it on turning it off um can can we expand on that a little bit (laughs) yeah yeah and you know i was just thinking about this example so you know, when you're, uh, when I grew up hunting on the West Coast, there was never any tree stands involved. It was always a big spot and stock. Um, yeah, Bigfoot <laughs> country. Um, so there was, you know, there's a lot of binoculars involved. You're, you're sitting, you're looking, you're moving. Um, and, and that was how I was, how, how I was brought up doing it. Uh, you come over here to the East Coast and everybody's in a tree stand. And that's just the best way to hunt whitetails. And that's just the way it is. Well, I mean, I'm telling you, when I started hunting around here, when I got out, you stick me into a tree stand and I was about as fidgety 
as a schoolgirl. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm literally treed like a, like a, a prey animal up. I felt like a squirrel with a bunch of, you know, hound dogs underneath me. I've, I've been treed and I can't run. I can't move. I can't, well, did, you know, did that I'm have anything to do with military? Um, okay. Absolutely. And it was, it was turning off. It was turning off that deployment mindset to where I was like, oh, listen, I can't, I can't escape and evade right now. I'm, I'm 15 feet yeah. up in a tree, <laughs> you know, if something goes haywire and, and again, not like there's something going to happen, but that deployment mindset of, of, of where I was and what I had been through just didn't want to shut off. And I'd get up in a tree stand. I'd be up there for 15, 20 minutes, 45 minutes. And, and it, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't maintain that. And yeah. what, you know, working with Connor and, and going through some of his, you know, his coping skills and explaining to me, you know, everything he just did of, of, okay, you know, it's going to take some time for your brain to shut off and, and kind of reboot and to reset itself. And then you start picking up and noticing things. And so now when I go into the woods and I get up in that tree stand, that is that, that deployment mindset is still there. It's not going no, anywhere. No, it's not. It's just, it's just, it's just understanding on what's going on and being patient and waiting and saying, okay, I'm going to work my way through this using, you know, X, Y, and Z, these coping skills that, you know, we'll get into later. And, and that's what works for me. And then uh, just like what Connor was saying, you know, about 40 minutes into it, a half an hour, I start picking up on, you know, sights, on smells, on stuff that's disrupting the baseline of the woods. And I'm really able to focus in more on, on the hunting, yeah. on, on enjoying the outdoors and looking, you know, looking well, for it's, that deer. It, it, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I just, it's just, it's, it's just taking that time and being, you know, having somebody like Connor there working me through it is a totally different ball game than, than being inside of an right, office. Right. Because, you know, like in the military, when you, when you, when you learn something, you're going to go ahead and sit down and get that death by PowerPoint where you want to, you know, you're drooling all over your paper and you're like, this is boring. And then they have what's called like a practical application period where you go out, but you have somebody right. there, you know, you have an instructor, you have that instructor there saying, Hey, stupid, you're, you're, you're being dumb over yeah. here or, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, and, and that's where, that's where Connor, you know, came in and, and I well, really benefited. And, and you're absolutely right about the, uh, you know, the, the, the 30, 40 minutes in the stand or in the woods because, and I have, I have a, a, a pretty extensive, um, I wouldn't say background, but I've hunted for a long time and, you know, deer, duck, you know, whatever. And I've noticed mm -hmm. that when I was deer hunting and I, I had a, uh, had a few hundred acres of a le of lease property that I hunted. And most times I was only able to hunt in the evening times. And, and I found myself as I was moving into the woods, um, in Louisiana, it's, it's not very easy to drive out to where you need to go. You know, there's a lot of swamp, there's a lot of mud, there's a lot of, uh, uh, resistance in regards to walking. Um, you know, you may walk into a, a, a swamp that's, you know, you don't even know how deep. It's just mud. So, so walking is not even an option in certain areas. So when I would get out to my, my deer stand and I was in, in a, I had an ability to walk the rest of the way, I was in deployment mode. 
I was in mm-hmm. stalk mode or in, in in patrol mode, whatever you want to call it. And the uh, if a deer could have walked across the, the 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 trail I was walking through or the woods, it it, it might as well have been a deployment. It might as well have been the yeah. exact same thing that you know Iraq, Afghanistan is the same thing, mm-hmm. but it was just an, an animal mm-hmm. that was coming out now, and. Yeah. Whether or not you did anything in in the military, that is what you're bred to think. That's that's the mm-hmm. the ideology of the military. You're you're doing this. This is your job, and this is the way you're you know, this is the way we're tailoring you to live your life. And when you get out of the military. Mm-hmm. It comes with you. It's not like a ROTC or in a football, you know, you know, high school football or anything like that. It's a lifestyle. And if you can't drop mm-hmm. it at certain times and be able to turn it on and turn it off, it could be very detrimental to your mental health in, in, in regards to what we're talking about. So, yeah. So, Connor, if there is there, a way you could kind of – break down the nitty gritty of how, I mean, you can feel free to use me as an example of how some of the stuff that you work through on, on, on working with me on how to, you know, kind of not necessarily shut it off, but kind of dole it down. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'll back up a couple of steps and talk about what you guys are sort of alluding to, which is this skill set, this mindset that, that you need when you're deployed, right. That you need to be an effective Marine or soldier or airman or whatever to, to be somebody who is, uh, in that role, you need a special set of skills and tools. Um, and outside of the, the theater of war, they are good. It's good skill set to have, um, until it starts getting in your way. And so what you, what you guys are talking to is this, this mindset being something that's holding you in a place that's not, serving your goals back in civilian and what we call that in in the field of psychotherapy is is clinically significant right your Mm. your skill set is getting in the way enough to keep you from achieving your goals and living the life you want to live here stateside um and it's the same it's the same lingo that we use when we're talking about anxiety or depression or other other mental health disorders. Um, they, oh, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> it comes a meat wagon. <laughs> oh God, everybody hide. Listen, scrap this take. Let's start over again. That's, 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 that is super. Fuck you. We're eight, no, no, no keep going, eight. motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just getting to the bottom of this class. <laughs> don't I'm, cut this out. I, glasses, I do need to but I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm in the group. Let me okay, finish. Well, right, hold on. Keep on. And I'll uh, listen. <laughs> Then, no, keep service, man, service. So what we're talking about. Wait till he takes his clothes off. No, I'm just. Kidding. What makes something so? So, fear is a useful emotion, right? It gives us important intel. It allows us to make decisions that keep us alive. Um, anger is a useful emotion. It. You don't know this, but Brian, can you hear anything, Micah? I can. Yeah, he's that good. He's that good. That's a that's a good pour. That's Cheers, way mate. better than any pour. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's heavy-handed. Typically, too. typically my pours are very loud and 
No, he opened two doors, <laughs> snuck in here, poured it before I even realized that he was here. That's anyway. So this this spectrum, this this palette of human emotions that we have, that we're that well, most of us. Yeah, really. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and my recently empty glass. Thank you, thank you. Mm, yeah, cheers, 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 cheers guys. So emotions, much like the the training that you you guys are given, that you're expected to internalize and make second nature, um, serve us very well and sometimes can get in our way and hold us back. And the idea is to identify the things that are holding you back and, and shift them, get them out of the way or move them in a direction that isn't going to be something that's keeping you somewhere you don't want to be. Um, okay. And that's an art. And with, you can take, you know, the experiences that we had out in the woods, Brian or Micah that you have on the beach as little examples of that in action. You wake up in the morning feeling shitty. You're bent out of shape. You're pissed off. You didn't sleep well. Like the day before, maybe it's been a bad week or for right now, you know, for a lot of us right now, it's been a bad few months especially those of us yeah. that are in business for ourselves. It's, it's a, it's a scary time. Um, yeah. But that fear can become something that we turn into motivation and, and get good in, insight from, or it can be something that leads us to make really bad decisions or, or, or worse. Um, so what I'm getting at here is that we are our own experts on ourselves. And Brian, you saw this, I think in one instance that we were going for a hike, uh, I remember this very distinctly. We were walking down a really clear cut um, towards that quarry uh, that we were hiking up. And you pointed out four, I think, three or four very clear locations that would be perfect ambush points. Uh, yeah. And... I could wa I watched your body language change, right? I was watching you go from it being a relaxing walk in the woods to being on high alert. And that's not something that you have control over. Now, what we try to do at Reset is help you build your awareness of those instances when you don't have control over your emotions, which would, most of us don't have perfect control over the emotions that we experience. Um, you become aware of them, and then you become confident and empowered in your ability to shift the direction of those emotions. Uh, and the beauty of it is, is that in traditional therapy, you would need to talk through a lot of that. And you'd really need to become aware of your cognitive processes and your, your emotions that come up and the things that trigger those emotions. When you're in the outdoors, you know that in about 30 to 45 minutes, 20 to 45 minutes, without having to do anything, the stress hormones in your brain are naturally going to drop. Your heart rate is naturally, without you having to do anything, going to lower. Your blood pressure is going to lower, and you're going to be physiologically significantly and observably more relaxed. Hmm. That's that, incredibly that's a... powerful for somebody, for, for people like you that have been in the shit and had to be in really intense consistently intense. I'm understating this guys and forgive me. I don't want to make it, you know, better than anybody, but, um, you are familiar with the, a much more intense spectrum of human emotion and physiological exertion than most of us civilians ever will be. 
Um, and that's a skill set that you can harness and use, but that often gets in the way when you come home. Um, so spending time in the outdoors is one of the most effective and the least costly with hardly any side effects except for maybe a bee sting or some poison ivy. And, you know, here in Pennsylvania, yeah. ticks. Yeah. Like I pulled... well, way, to, way to take it down a notch, Connor. That was needed for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, yeah. I, I was I – was, uh... Listen, I was going into a dark place there for a uh, second. Just, just with you, you, your tempo was 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 great. But man, I'm sorry, man. Way to bring it down. Bl- no, 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 no. I blame no, the whiskey. This is, this is... No, 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 no. <laughs> this is no, no, great, no. man. That that's phenomenal uh, wor- um, word association on your end. That you're doing great. Uh, I appreciate it. Well, let me let me break it down for the knuckle dragging morons like myself out there. And let me just kind of explain in a different light, because you work so hard in the military to maintain this deployment readiness mindset. You are, you know, I always compared it to a race car. They're 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 building they are building a a tool to run on race gas and you're going fast. You're ready to go. But when you come back you have this race car and they're, and, and, and they're expecting you to run on regular yep. pump gas. And, and they're just expecting you to just go ahead and automatically detune this race car to just fit in and right. blend in. Well, you spend so much time working yourself into this mindset that you just can't turn it off. And where Connor came in for me that, that I really understood it was like, okay, I recognize these points where I need to be high performance and I'm going to go ahead and recognize it let it be there and be okay with it, but still move forward yeah. with my own life. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I, I, I struggle with that in, in regards to physical performance in, in, um, in regards to Connor, I, I did a, a bunch of boxing at one point when I was, uh, when I got out of the military and, and that, uh, that race gas turned mm-hmm. to deployment mode when they said, Hey, we're training for three hours, four hours. It's like, no problem. There, there's no issue here with me. Yep. I'll work eight, 10, 12 hours. And then I come train for, for three, four hours, n- no issue whatsoever. Yeah. And it's, and it's the same thing in regards to hunting. And I, and I, and I, I wouldn't say I got emotional, but I, I, I got uh very, I, I lost a lot of, um, emotion when you were explaining the story about Brian noticing ambush points, that's a, that's a huge thing. And that just kind of, Brian, don't take this the wrong way, but that, that showcases Brian's, um, uh, it, it showcases his history in the military as, as a, as an operator, as, as, uh, as someone that served, in a, in a combat zone, that's real. And that mindset is not just in the woods. You know, it, it, it gets even not, I wouldn't say worse, but it, it, it showcases even more when, when large crowds are around, when, when people are around, when, when, when positions are kind of compromised in, in the control aspect when you're in an area downtown and there's a bunch of people and you can't control everything by sheer force, you're, you know, or, or mindset that 
that turns into um, a real thing, you know. Um, yeah, but it's also a baby step thing, man, because once like when you're out, like when I was out, no, 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 you're going to step on your dick. But <clears throat> when you when you're out in the woods and, you know, it's 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 a very safe environment and you're in, and it's almost like baby steps, man. It is it is like it's just that little nudge towards towards, you know, not necessarily getting better, but it's a nudge towards, you know, being able to control you know, that race gas, that, that, that ability to kind of turn it off and on, and you're practicing it in, in a very, a very good environment without, with natural right. stimulus. And, you know, once you, it's the crawl, walk, run mentality of once you dial that in there in nature, then it's like, okay, well, let's go ahead and build some more. Let's go ahead and, 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 you know, just in my own personal example, let's get this under control and then let's go yeah. to school. And and use these these new tools I've learned to be able to thrive in that area. Right. It, and, and 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 just well, Connor, moving forward in regards to what kind of the the jibber jabber that we've had in the past, you know, two or three minutes. In regards to you know maybe vets and and guys that have uh, have um, the same career or, or military mindset. Is it is it more difficult to tailor to dealing with us versus you know any other group of people? <laughs> is it harder, or do you take the same approach and and with your kind of compass rose, you know, thoughts, health, resilience, um, you know, interdependence, vitality. Um, Empathy is all that the same with everyone, or do you tailor to certain needs of everyone differently? Well, so the the patterns are generally the same, but the needs are entirely individual. And okay. and this is this is the part where traditional mental health really drops the ball. Um, most in your you guys, I don't know what your experience has been in working with counselors or psychotherapists or psychologists, or psychiatrists, but. You're, you're put into a lane, and if you slip outside of that lane, then it's, you know, it's not going to work. You're, you're going right. to either drop out of the process yourself because you're not getting what you need from it, or they're going to say, oh, you're, you're not ready for this process. Come back when you're ready. Um, yeah. And that is something that uh, it took me five or six years of working in really intense situations, sometimes with veterans, but – uh, the the largest chunk of my career was spent working with survivors of uh, sexual assault and violent crime, um, and the the patterns between those populations, especially when it comes to sexual assault and domestic violence, the way that you see that trauma manifesting is strikingly similar to veterans coming home from combat, um, and the whole point is this: is that. Your scenario, your situation, what you've lived through, no one else has lived through. So how can I tell you what you need to do? It's more about giving you right. the space and the time to reconnect with things that you know have worked or finding new things that you're excited to try that may work. And right. that's not a that's not a one size fits all approach. We can suggest things. I have the benefit of, you know, 
some experience and a, and a fair bit of training that I can sort of bring things up that may work, but it's up to you to connect with it and really uh, give it a try or start doing things again that you know worked for you in the past, maybe even before you enlisted. Um, well, let me add to that. Um, and this is something I actually picked up from a, a, a live show today um, with um, – with a certain group, I'll, I'll leave them out of it. But it, the, the statement was, is the, uh, the intent to understand and not just respond. Yeah. And it, it was, it, it, it really, and Brian, it was, uh, it was with, I, I messaged you about the, the dog training and, and um, the group that had talked about it. We'll leave them out of it um, just for now, just because of, uh, uh, we're idiots and we don't know who we can talk about <laughs> without getting sued. <laughs> um, but, but it was, it, it really hit me, hit home with me when that statement was made, the intent to understand and not just respond. And in regards to that, veterans, and I hate even just saying it veterans this and veterans that no people in general want to just they get this this quick fix but just just give me something give me the 10 steps or give me a pill or or, or a medication that's going to make me better and and here in in the show we're we're trying to understand how to be better and we're trying to understand ultimately the best way to cope with whatever issues you've been through, whether it be combat, whether it be, you know, just being in the military with structure and then getting out of the military and having zero structure or whether it be the civilian life and, and car accidents or any kind of stress and trauma that you've been through, we're trying to understand how to cope with this instead of just doing and being and Connor, I think you're doing a great job of, of explaining that. And, and you know, well, I, I appreciate that, man. I, uh, I really do. I, and, and I just want to add to that and say that there's a step beyond just coping and that's, that's thriving, right? Coping, coping is, is surviving. And what we want people to do is to really thrive. And Brian, I don't mean to throw you under the love bus here, but in the, in the three or four years that, that we've go ahead, um, I can't even begin to, to describe how incredible the strides that you've taken. And Micah, I'm willing to bet that, that this is similarly similar for you too. But um, from, you know, the first time that you and I met Brian to, to where you are now, is inspiring and, and, and just amazing. The, the, the things that you've been able to achieve, the ways that you've been able to, to progress and grow and, and start building just an amazing life is, is fantastic. And I think what we call, this is what we call in the field, post-traumatic growth. Um, mm. And it's the understanding that once you stop um, – feeling like the world's closing in on you and that these experiences are, are keeping you trapped 
that and the, the idea of post-traumatic <laughs> growth is this is that if you're somebody who has survived hell right you've been you've been through the worst and you've made it through and you're alive is that ultimately with time and with with some work and some help um you're going to be able to look at that experience that traumatic experience uh, or experiences as being something that have given you a new appreciation for the power and the good that you have and that you are. Uh, and I, I regularly, if I, if I had to call an example up quickly in my mind of somebody who's embodied this, it'd be Brian from, you know, for, and I didn't know you at your worst, Bri. I, I didn't, I came in kind of late in the game after you were already well on your way to, to healing. Um, but it's, it's just been a, a, a pleasure and an honor to watch that, that healing process occur um, as completely as I think it has for you. Uh, and clinically, that is something that we, we hope and hope and hope all of our clients are going to experience, but not, you know, doesn't always happen that way. Um, yeah, absolutely. Can you, can you dive into a little bit more? I know the thrive process is, is, is something that you you gave a, a recent TED talk on, and and if you wouldn't mind, could you kind of dive into that a little bit deeper, as kind of to not wrap sure, this up, absolutely. but to kind of bring everything so, full circle. Uh, for the listeners on the sea bag here, that, that what Brian and Mike are looking at is this thing called the Thrive Compass, which I've made available to you guys. Uh, it's available on our website for free. Uh, and it's a little tool that uh, we developed here as a way to help people start to take stock of the the aspects of their life that um, most impact your well-being overall. Uh, and what we have listed here are your thoughts, your health, and that's health as an entire human being. It's physical health, psychological health, social health, uh, creative health and spiritual health, right? All of those things are, are parts of That's how we decide for deep. health. <laughs> hey, man, listen, get ready. We're going, get we're going way <laughs> There's resilience, there's interdependence, there's vitality and empathy. These are the six facets that we've identified uh, as being most critical to our well-being. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just a place to start. And what we want people to do with this is to take stock when, when you're feeling awesome, great, take stock. When you're feeling shitty, take stock and figure out where you are and then plot a course to where you want to be. Yeah. And with each one of these six facets on the compass, thoughts, health, resilience, interdependence, vitality, and empathy, each one of these things are not only the things that we're measuring, but also outcomes that can be positively impacted by simply spending time in nature. Yeah. This is backed up by really high quality research. It's not just me being a tree hugger. It's not it at all. We're not banging on bongos in a circle around a fire. This That'd is, be fun. This is, it would be fun. I'm down. You guys are down. I'm down. But when your thoughts I'm are distracted and, uh, and not helpful, that's an indicator that you could do something to improve the quality and clarity of your thinking. well, quality of life in general is. I definitely interrupted you. I apologize, but 
I'm just going to go ahead and keep stepping on. I'm out of here. I'm just connecting. This is well, quality of life, man. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's such a big thing. And I, and I, I support everything that you're saying. And I, I just felt the need to kind of throw this in there. Quality of life. When you realize through nature and through being quiet and just observing what's around you, how impactful nature is to your well-being and your mental health. Exactly. And how many of us, Micah, the people that you know, right, the people that you interact with every day, give themselves the time to tap into that? Yeah, it's, you know, with, with what's going on right now in the world, in society and we will not get into this but <laughs> with with the craziness that's going on <laughs> i uh i ran and I, i'll give a very short example i ran the beach yesterday i i did a i did a ruck run yesterday um and there was every Every group of uh, uh, race, every everything at the beach yesterday, and I and I approached uh, I approached several people and just greeted them. Hey, how are y'all doing? You know, hey, like, and I and I told this story to Brian. I met a group of people that had never seen the ocean in their life, and they were our age in their thirties. And that never them and their kids had never seen the ocean in thirty plus years, and and I and I saw their child at the beach, seeing the waves crash, and the child was just ecstatic. This the child, the, the kid, probably three four years old, was just having the time of his life. And and I and I and I was running, and I and I stopped, and I was like, "Hey, how are y'all doing?" You know. I, I haven't seen y'all here before. And they're like, wow, we're, we're so happy to be here. This is the most amazing thing we've ever been through. And, and, and I was like, well, have, have you ever been to the beach before? And they're like, no, this is our first time. And, and I just, I just took a minute out of my day, out of my, out of my non-timed run. And so I was like, hey, well, welcome to the area. This is, this is amazing that y'all took the time to come to, to see nature, to see, to see the ocean. And, you know, we welcome you to this area and, and I hope y'all have a great day. And it was just a little bit of empathy and a little bit of, you know, drop the ego and welcome a, a local person has nothing to do with anything in regards to ethnicity, race, whatever. But those, those people were so happy that they were just in the presence of nature. And when I saw that they were so happy, I felt the need to, to embrace what they were going through and just say, Hey, welcome. I'm happy you're here. And they were, they were ecstatic to talk to me and I had to run away from them <laughs> after, after, after I was talking, I was like, well, no, seriously, I got to go now. You know, I, I, I got to keep running. <laughs> But everything you're saying, Connor, in regards to, you know, spending that time, people don't know that they're doing that. But when they do get into nature, 
and they do go see, you know, the Rocky Mountains and the Smoky Mountains or, or, or wherever they go, they go to the Atlantic City, you know, whatever. It's, it's a, it's an empowering feeling to be empowered by nature. You couldn't have said it better, man. That's a beautiful example. And that's why we have empathy on the compass. Because when you spend time in nature with other people, your understanding of their emotional experience, your willingness to accept their emotional experience and the compassion you extend to them has been proven by science to increase. Yeah. So it's it's a perfect, absolutely perfect example, Micah, in my opinion. Of, uh, of spending time in the outdoors and, and actually feeling that empathy level shift up a couple yeah. of notches, yeah. right? You're, you shared an experience with some strangers uh, and it was a really positive yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a, that's a, I mean, it's funny that we're talking about this because we weren't a hundred percent sure that we were going to be able to secure this, this conversation with you over our show um, until a few days ago. And, and this happened yesterday. And, and if you can imagine how many times this happened, and a big thing that Brian and I talk about on, on the show is, is being a, a, on the humble side, which <laughs> anyone, Brian's about to laugh, but anyone that's ever known me, has known that I've not been the most humble person <laughs> and, um, and, and, and a little bit of a side of cockiness and, and some arrogance has been kind of my one, two in life. And, and now that I've, I've, I've grown a little bit and, and realized the importance of empathy, I realize how much better my life is by, by saying hello to people and, 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 and just interacting mm-hmm in general. And, and that's a very big step for the veteran community coming out into the world and saying, and, and again, we've said this in previous shows that, uh, you know, you, as an example, you did a deployment to Iraq or you did a deployment to Afghanistan or, or, or wherever you went to, people don't know what you went through. So you walking around with a shit fucking attitude mad at the world people don't know why you're doing that and when you said i was in xxx province and and Mm -hmm. southern you know you know marja whatever they don't know what that means they don't know if that was a bad spot or a good spot all they know that you know is what you tell them and so you taking the baggage on from your previous career choices and having a bad attitude towards life, you're representing you're you're basically representing a community through your own through your own thought process. You're saying, Oh well, I'm gonna have a bad attitude because of what I went through. And that's the wrong way to do it. And I think what you're doing with with helping people understand resilience and health and empathy and all these things that your company does it helps guys like like me i won't say anyone else but helps guys like me settle down a little bit you know well and 
Yep. Sorry, Bri. Sorry, just to, yep. just to chime in. That's, so it's not. That's cute. Glad that you call him Bri. PTSD, no, no, no. Right? no. Get it out <laughs> instead of Brian. Bri. I, I got another name, but that's 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 the <laughs> doors. That's private. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. That's private. That's um, okay. Mm-hmm. So when when you come home, when you come home, uh, and when we talk about, and I'm just gonna throw this under the umbrella of PTSD, right? You've experienced trauma, and that trauma is impacting you. That's that's an injury, right? It's like coming home with a broken femur. Um, it's not a choice that it hurts to walk. Yeah. Um, and you can make the choice mm-hmm. to to give yourself what you need to heal properly, or ignore it. That is that is your choice. But the experience of the intense emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. that you you're you're navigating is not your choice. Um, and that's where. Even if somebody can't understand what it was like to be in Fallujah or, or, or Hellman's or wherever you guys were sent and the intensity of that experience, most people have the emotional palate to be able to understand uh, fear and helplessness and terror and the need to dig deep to do things that you're that you have to do to survive and not only survive, but, you know, take care of yourself and the people around you. Um, and that's where we as, as a society have failed miserably right. in, in supporting you guys when you come home. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have not done, we have not acted as responsible, as responsible society. Uh, and, you know, it's not my place to apologize for all society, but well, you know, Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. I see where you're going with it. And and, um, and Connor, (laughs) the the fact that you just shared that with us in regards to your emotion towards, you know, combat vets coming home or or just we'll just call it veterans in general coming home. Um, There's a guy that I want to have on the show and uh, he's a very – a very, um, I would only say he's a close friend because he's my neighbor, and he's a, a he's a Vietnam veteran. He's a he's a he was an EOD technician in Vietnam, and and he was a uh, combat diver, and in in the sixties, and his his the way he explained transitioning to me and coping with his experiences in Vietnam, which, which of course, nothing I will ever do would, would I ever compare to Vietnam and the absolute utmost respect I have for this guy because of his, his, his mindset. He told me that when he came home from Vietnam, there was, there's a lot of drug use. There's a lot of alcohol. There was just a very bad mental, mental health state that he was in. And when he came home from Vietnam, he decided that after days and days of drug abuse and alcohol consumption, that if he didn't leave that, that, um, life, that environment, that environment of alcohol and drug abuse, that he would never leave it. And so he went through. Uh, he said he left, he left his home and took a week long vacation and completely 
stop drinking, stop drugs, stop everything. And he didn't drink alcohol for, for 17 years. And, and, and I, and I'm listening to this guy and this guy was a explosive ordnance disposal guy in, in Vietnam. That's a very intense job. And to, to hear people like him, um, shed their, their own emotional story to me as, as a 33 year old, it means so much. And it, and and it, and it shows me that it's like, Hey, guess what, bud, (laughs) whatever you've been through, it's doable. It's, it's okay. You can make it through anything you've been through. Mm -hmm. And because I've got guys that are in there, he's 77 years old and he's, and he's still kayaking and swimming and, and doing all this stuff. I'm like, and I'm like, what's, Oh, and I have an excuse. Cause I woke up and I was tired and my knees hurt. This guy's 77 years old and he, and he's waking up diving every day with a good attitude. And he was, and he was a Vietnam explosive ordnance disposal. So where, where do your limits lie? And I'm right. and I'm going now. I'm going down the rabbit hole. So, <laughs> well, no. If if I may, yes, can I please, chime please, in please. here, Brian? Or is that, okay, okay. So there there are a few things happening. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. In that ahead. example that you gave, and the first is is I'm going to refer back to empathy. Right, your ability to connect emotionally. Some something was shared between you two. Right, that you get and yeah. he gets. Right. That's that's the first step. The second step on the compass is interdependence. And it's the understanding that even though there are times when we are actually all alone as human beings, most of us are not islands. We're, we're not only connected to other people and and the environment around us, but we rely on, on the environment and the people around us in a lot of ways. And this example that you gave Mike is a perfect example of that interdependence his story is something that gave you confidence in your ability to navigate the, the, the shit that you have to wade through from time right. to time. Um, and that then leads to resilience and health, right? Your ability, when you see the, the things that this gentleman has overcome in his healing process from his time in Vietnam, you start to build confidence in your ability to bounce back. And your health improves as a result. Right. So all these things are interwoven. Um, and the idea is, is that you can, from moment to moment, day to day, week to week, you can look at this compass and take stock and find out where you are in this moment. What are the things that I'm doing well at right now? And be appreciative of that and grateful for that, as well as identifying the things that need a little attention. Yeah. And taking steps, being empowered to do the things that you know are going to help that. And for every one of these, these six facets, spending time outside is proven to impact those yeah. things positively. Yeah. Let's <laughs> see. Brian, go ahead. Absolutely. Well, no, 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 yeah. no. I was going to say it's, um, it's about time for, yeah some uh some some motivation for some well, gratitude for some for some respect yeah, well, and uh I, micah if you would be so kind to do the honors that's uh 
that's looking at us, yelling at us, telling that, uh, telling us that we're going over the limit. So this is just a personal thing. And I, and I'd like to, to break down and, and maybe, maybe thank some people and, and, uh, use this time to, to show some real gratification because that's ultimately what one of our last shows has been about is gratitude. And Connor, we, you know, mm-hmm. we'd like to really thank you for, for coming on the show because w- what you do is a, a phenomenal feat. You really, you really do have the support of, mm-hmm. of a lot of people. And we want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, and we're going to get into after the citation, we're going to get into, um, so I don't forget how to contact you and your, uh, media and your websites. Uh, but we just wanted to take this time to recognize you and say, thank you for, for coming on the show and, and taking the time out of your very, very busy day to, uh, to entertain, to, to entertain our, us and how, how stupid we are and our, <laughs> But um, <laughs> thanks, thank you for what you've done, and, and, um, and at that point, we're gonna um, we're gonna go into a bit of a Medal of Honor citation. And uh, fortunately for me, uh, this this is a very personal citation. Um, I was given a, a challenge coin from Major General James Livingston, United States Marine Corps. Um, he's a Medal of Honor recipient, Purple Heart recipient of the Vietnam era war. And I was given this challenge coin um, in 2010 prior to my Afghanistan deployment that Brian and I were on. And uh, he gave me this coin and I'll post it uh, maybe on our social media account someday. And it's a Congressional Medal of Honor Society, United States of America, for valor in combat. And this is Major Major General James Livingston of Vietnam. And the citation states for service as set forth in the following citation for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as a commanding officer in Company E, 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, 9th Marine Amphibious Brigade, in action against enemy forces in the Republic of Vietnam on May 2nd, 1968. Company E launched a determined assault on a heavily fortified village of Dia Dao, which had been seized by the enemy on the preceding evening, isolating a Marine company from the remainder of the battalion, skillfully employing screening agents. Captain Livingston at the time maneuvered his men to assault positions across 500 meters of dangerous open rice paddies while under intense enemy fire Ignoring hostile rounds impacting near him, he fearlessly led his men in a savage assault against 
enemy emplacements within the village. While adjusting supporting arms fire, Captain Livingston moved to the points of heaviest resistance, shouting words of encouragement to his Marines, directing their fire and spurring the dwindling momentum of the attack on repeated occasions. Although twice painfully wounded by grenade fragments, he refused medical treatment and courageously led his men into the destruction of 100 mutually supporting bunkers, driving the remaining enemy from their positions. And relieving the, the pressure on the stranded Marine company, as the two companies consolidated positions and evacuated casualties, a third company passed through the friendly lines, launching an assault on the adjacent village of Dinho, only to be halted by a furious counterattack of enemy battalion. Swiftly assessing the situation and disregarding the heavy volume of enemy fire, Captain Livingston boldly maneuvered the remaining effective men of his company forward joined forces with heavily engaged Marines and halted the enemy counterattack, wounded a third time and unable to walk. He steadfastly remained in a dangerous exposed area, deploying his men to more tenable positions and supervising and the evacuation of casualties. Only when assured the safety of his men, did he allow himself to be evacuated. Captain Livingston's gallant actions uphold the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the United States Naval Services. And I think at that point, uh, Brian, unless you have anything else for the show, we will leave the show in kind regards to Major General James Livingston. Because ultimately what this show is trying to, and I, and I got a little emotional during the, during the citation, but ultimately what we are trying to do is honor those, those men and women that have given the ultimate sacrifice and regarded their disregarded their well-being to save the lives of their comrades. And at that point, I'm going to give it back to Connor. And Connor, if you could give us a, a few ways to contact you for the listeners um, to contact you if if anyone needs to you know, feels the need to contact you, how do how do we get a hold of you? I I'm going to need a minute here to collect yeah, myself. If sorry. that's okay. Sorry for putting you on the spot. That's it's a heavy. No, it's, <laughs> that is a really hard. That's a heavy yeah. one. And uh, well, anyway, if it's okay yeah, for me, Babylon, just to good. simply say I. I I appreciate you both very much for um, inviting me on tonight. I appreciate you both just as the wonderful human beings that you are. And uh, thank you for working hard, 
and doing everything that you do to make the world a better place. Um, for anybody that would want to get in touch, the best way is through our website, www.resetoutdoors.com. Uh, I would say social media. We have Facebook and Instagram, but I am the worst <laughs> at checking those. You can send us messages. I, I, <laughs> we have them. I don't necessarily like them, right? The social media side. Uh, but that's an avenue. You're welcome to email me directly, Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R, at ResetOutdoors.com. Nice. You can call us here at the office, 484-893-4545. You can send smoke <laughs> signals. As long oh, as I know what I'm man. looking for, that's oh. cool. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I thank you. Thank you both Connor, very much. I, uh, Mike, I, I, I'm looking forward to meeting you in Connor, person someday, it, man. You're yeah, welcome up here. It's been anytime. an absolute pleasure. And, and Brian and I actually, uh, uh, <laughs> we looked up flight tickets, you know, airplane tickets last night. We were, we were both lit up on some, on some <laughs> good quality bourbon. And uh, I almost bought uh-huh. a $1,200 plane ticket to, to, <laughs> to fly up there and, and, and be part of this, um, this awesome experience with, with uh, ultimately our, our uh, you know, one, one of the guys that, you know, we, you don't understand, but what you do for, for people really means a whole lot to, to guys like us. And hopefully the, the community that, that does listen to us, whether they be military or non-military, if they're going through some, some tough times and uh, would like to continue their, their living in a good way, would get a hold of you because what you're doing, man, is, is, a, is a great thing. And we, we thank you for for everything that, that you do for society, because there's not, um, I wouldn't say there's not a lot of people that contribute to society, but I would say that you have a very, very big talent in helping people. And just through what Brian and I have talked through, um, we value you as a, as a friend. And, uh, hopefully we can have you on again. And we can go through uh, when you and I meet, and the and the ambushes <laughs> I put you through. <laughs> Brian, close um, it out for ready and willing. All right. Well, on that on that <laughs> on that note, this is the Sea Bag Podcast. You can reach us on social media. Or you can email us at the seabag podcast at gmail.com. Connor, Micah, I love you guys. <laughs> this is the Seabag Podcast. <laughs>